One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Good morning and welcome to the Gallant Few English Premier League podcast. Um, my name is Jamie. Um, I will be hosting uh, this rather late than usual uh, podcast for this week. Um, but um, with the amount of football that's been played on, I think it's obviously, well, losing track of obviously what days we can get these recordings done. So we thought we'd do a quick roundup um, before this weekend's games kick off. Um, I do have a guest with me, so it's not just my own unfortunate dulcet tones you'll be listening to. But Johnny, um, you're obviously helping out today. How's things? Things are good, mate. It's good to be back. The parents are away again. We've got an empty. <laughs> Plenty of football getting done on your side, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always good, man. Good, man. Um, and uh, what we look to do then, we probably won't do a full hour um, for the usual podcast, just because we are so late in the week. But what I wanted to do is actually cover some of the big high points of last week of last week's fixtures. And it's fair to say, Johnny, that. Um, I kind of feel like a bit of a broken record when it comes to refereeing decisions in VAR instance. Um, but um, I'll try and keep it as as, as fluent as I possibly can. Um, one that probably didn't have much VAR controversy um, was the, the early kickoff last week, which was Fulham 1-0, Manchester United 1. Um, and Johnny, I think it'd be fair to say that Man United needed that win, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely, mate. The, there's a lot of eyes on them at the minute. It's... <laughs> Love them or hate them, it's a high-pressure club. And that's a results club. I know all of them are, but that one especially. Um, I mean, they dragged it out, let's be honest. The, the, yeah. the, I would say they stole that point. But They've stole a few this season, though, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, we don't look back on it, really, do we, and say, oh, that's what happened. It's just a case mm-hmm. that that was three points, and that's what they needed. But, yeah, I think they definitely... the. But we know they left it very late, but um, yeah, Fulham could probably be, feel pretty hard done by, right? And there was there was obviously one contentious point in the beginning of the game that Man United took an early lead um, that was ruled out for offside. And for anybody that watched it, there was a controversial, shall we say, um, offside with Harry Maguire, who didn't touch the ball from, I think it was a free kick or a corner come in. The ball goes to the back post. Garnaccio takes the ball across the front of the um, the, the six-yard line, and I think it was McTominay that put it in the back of the net. But it was later ruled off due to Harry Maguire potentially making a movement for the ball when he was in an off-by position. What were your thoughts on that? Because um, I think that one is very discretional, shall we say. It's not factual. It's more about whether or not he was impeding the play. Yes, yeah, a subjective view, mate. Um, it's kind of sod's law that it would be Harry Maguire, uh, who has looked a bit better, to be fair to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mix his big head. There was also talk of possibly a foul in there, in that mm. build-up. I think they looked at that too. But uh, 
I mean, at the end of the day, like you say, it's definitely it's not really a black and white one. It comes down to the the, the officials. Uh, Do you think they came to the right of decision? I mean, I, th- I think if it went either way, you could you couldn't really argue. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could have a huge argument either way. Um, but their explanation and the way they showed it, it, it made sense. I think that would be the the, the fair way to say it. It was more justifiable, probably, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, d- I definitely feel as though it was. It felt like the right decision, um, and obviously, probably played out because I think then obviously Maguire had the the issues with the head injury, the, the you know potential concussion, um, which meant he had to go off later in the game. Um, I was surprised obviously... they never hooked him earlier on that, mate. I thought they would hook him because when he first went off with it, he looked. He looked dazed, didn't he? Yeah, he, yeah, he did not look with it. So I was really surprised that they let him play on for as long as they did. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know how Manchester United got on in the Champions League last night. But that aside, um, they announced that um, Casemiro is now going to be out until the new year. It feels like they're dropping flies, aren't they, in terms of an injury list? Um, they've still got problems at centre-back, at left-back, with the amount of injuries that they've got. To lose Casemiro... Um, doesn't 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 do them any favors, does it? No, he's a big player for them. He's a big player for them. We we spoke about before in previous pods about feeling like the middle of the park was an issue. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, and who who to bring in and what cover they have. So, I mean, it pretty much, I would say for a wee while, it's going to guarantee McTominay mm-hmm. some uh, some start some games. Um, Listen, it's not really been working. I would say I think that would be a, a fair assessment. I, I'm not trying to be a shit house. So far this season, they've been lackluster in virtually every game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they haven't really blown a team out of the park. You know, they haven't went and decimated the team, or they haven't done that not one single game. Um, and last night it looked like they might off in the Champions League, and then lo and behold, Man United being Man United um, imploded. So. I think there's a long way to go with that team. And some of the things that are coming out, especially um, the gaffer, some of the things he's saying, just... Yeah. He, he came out after the game on Saturday and says he was looking for fight, you know, and what he done to, to show that they wanted to play. And I feel like we did that, we've done it really well. He must have been watching a different game for me. Yeah. Because i, I never seen any of that. And like I say, I thought Fulham were really unlucky not to get something out of that game. I think... I think for me, Fulham just needed a better striker up top. If they had a better striker up top, they could have easily taken the lead or, or, or gone up front a couple of times. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think the last few weeks have been questionable of what the, the post-match commentary has been. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so this weekend, I think, you know, they should be okay this weekend. They've got Luton at home. Um, so I think anything but a win at Luton at home means that he will survive another week. But, but it feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like he's having to survive week on week right now, and I, you know, and that's not really what you would expect from a Manchester United manager. I don't think they're like a knee-jerk board. Um, I think they're probably going to be a wee bit more slower with the trigger finger than we're expecting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I mean, probably. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. I was meaning probably like more the, the media hype around it. You know, the, the amount of traction they get in the media, it's, it seems like very much they're waiting for the next slip-up, isn't it? That's exactly what they do with Man United. Um, I think it's probably the worst club for it, in the UK at least. Um, it's the pressure on that to perform in that club is enormous. 
Um, I think it takes a big character to play there. He, uh, same goes for manager. The 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 media crucify them. We see it with Maguire, right? Whether you you don't have to love or hate Man United to realise they've done that boy no favours with the way they treated them and the way they still do. They're, they're, it's like they are begging for something to go wrong mm-hmm. so they can hammer them again. And it's not just at club level that and then faultless to international level. I think the very same thing will happen with the manager. I mean, realistically, this weekend, that's what's talking about. They've not really blew a team at the park. They should be doing that this weekend. But Luton have improved a wee bit. Um, it, wouldn't, it would not shock me if something went wrong. You know, if they set, upset the apple cart, so to speak, it would not shock me at all. Okay. I think, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be in just a couple of weeks. I think, as I said, they've got Luton this weekend and you would expect nothing. I think for them, it's just literally getting three points into it. Uh, if, if they get a McTominay, you know, Snyder at 94th minute, we can talk about it being the 94th minute, but they need three points. Simple as that. Did you um, see the about Man United? About which one? How... There's been a few kicking about, not there? Yeah, there was one at the weekend. Um, I heard it during the game. I, I, I don't have it in front of me to directly quote it, but basically they are the second... In terms of being in front, oh, that's for how long they'll be in front. That's right. Is it 94 minutes or something? Yeah, I think it's only, was it Sheffield that were uh, below them? They were the lowest, the second lowest team for being in front, which means how long they've actually led a game. Yeah, I think they've been in in front a total of 94 minutes in the Premier League this season. That is absolutely mental statistics. It is bonkers, yeah. I think the, the other one I seen was uh, it was uh, before the Monday Night Football and they were talking about strikers, and and I kind of feel sorry for him because obviously the boy Hoyland's been brought in to take kind of in bed, and it's quite obvious that he's going to need some time to settle in. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely been thrown in a dependable. Yeah, but there was a, there was a start of something like the. Compared to the amount of minutes he's played, he's the hundredth striker in the Premier, the hundredth player in the Premier League in terms of stats, in terms of shots on goal. That means there's 99 players in the Premier League that have had more shots on goal than Hoyland for the minutes he's played. Mm. Now, some people say that's a problem with Hoyland. I would say it's more of a problem with the service he's getting. You know, they don't pick up his runs properly. They don't. But see, when you start seeing stats like that, you just know it's not great. And that's before we start yeah. talking about, yeah, 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 Antony's and, you know, the Onana situation and stuff. Um, that's one thing you've just said. That's the kind of player they're looking to to feed him, mm-hmm. Anthony, who's been an absolute dud. Uh, I like the boy Hoyland uh, for what I've seen. Mm-hmm. The only criticism, only criticism I had when we spoke about it was one was the amount of money, and yeah. two that it was a huge gamble when they desperately needed a striker. There was um, always potential, one. Yeah, it could have went either way, and I think he's done well. To be fair, considering how. I wouldn't say bad, they've not really been terrible, but they have been off the boil, Man United have been. I mean, he scored a brace last night, um, his movement's good, he, he seems to, like you say, makes a lot of runs, they just don't get spotted. So, I mean, if the thing can get that right, obviously he needs to translate it to league goals, because mm-hmm. um, that's where they, they seem to struggle a wee bit more. But yeah, I think... I think he's is... got three in the Champions League now, Ant. he's got three in the Champions yeah. League. Um, so I mean, looking at the, comp- uh, sorry, the opposition, it's probably... <laughs> Not the same standard as what he's playing against in the Premier League, especially like mm-hmm. with Copenhagen and no disrespect. But I think if uh, the chances keep coming and they find them a bit better, I think he could do a lot of damage. 
Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll move the talk on to um, the other team in Manchester who um, quite gracefully went to the top of the league with um, what everybody would have perceived as a high score against Bournemouth. Um, it finished 6-1, um, but the biggest shock was that 6-1 and Haaland or Alvarez were not involved in any of the goals whatsoever. Haaland went off at half-time, but we see him turn out for the Champions League this weekend, so we just think it was more of a precautionary. But yeah, 6-1 runners out, um, but a man-of-the-match performance from one um, Doku, one of the new players. Um, I think he got a goal in four assists. Um, cracking result, really, wasn't it? Yeah, to be honest, I expected them to run through Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. They've done it many times. I think they really, really I think, enjoy playing I think, against I think that's the team they've scored the most against, isn't it, since yeah. taken over? Bournemouth must hate going there, or just playing them in general. <laughs> they... Yeah, like you said, it was a docu show where he was uh, he was fantastic, and they could not contain him at all. He basically was just del- deleting defenders for fun. Uh, it was just there's not a lot you can say about a six-one game other than it was clearly too easy. Mm-hmm. The I really liked the fifth goal, Bernardo Silva's goal. I thought that was proper naughty, a really tight angle when he pretty much dinked it over the keeper. That was I think fantastic. It was, uh, Nunes yeah. was trying to steal it, slamming it in, but it was already over the line. But yeah, that was a cracking goal. I mean, there wasn't a huge, a huge amount to talk about. I mean, Man City, one thing Man City made was it four or five subs in the second half. Yeah. They had made four by, say, 60, 70 minutes, and they still scored two after that. They, they never missed a beat. They never missed a beat. And I think 6 1. And it's mental to say it, but 6-1 was probably flattering on Bournemouth and the way the game went. And now, as I said, this is the first time they've, you know, come, regardless of obviously all the other results, this is the first time they've now hit the front. Um, um, and, you know, they've got a few tricky games coming up, shall we say. Um, I think they've got, I say tricky, you're not, they're not, on paper, they're probably not tricky, but we know which team can turn up. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so the next game, is a Super Sunday at half four against Chelsea. Um, then we've got the international break, and then they come back and they play Liverpool at the half twelve kickoff on the Saturday morning. Um, and then you look at Spurs. So the, the next three games are Chelsea, Liverpool, and Spurs. Um, that's 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 a tough run for anybody, isn't it? Really? Yeah, you could probably tack Aston Villa on the back. I suppose you could game, probably tack Aston Villa in as well at the bit the, the, the first weekend of December. That's, yeah, no. That's a stinker for any team to kind of try and do, isn't it? Yeah, it's not an easy run, mate, but I mean, they're probably the most capable to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like you say, Chelsea have been, we, we know, they've been hitting a miss. You made sure you made a point of that last week when I was <laughs> on my hiatus. Um, but I mean, they have been raising their game, Chelsea, in the big games, we've seen it. The bigger teams have actually struggled to put Chelsea away. It's, a, it's the, the smaller, not the smaller, but lower down teams that have, have, have done it. So that's a tough game. Liverpool at home, tough game. Like you say, Tottenham at home, tough game. It's a tough four, but it's quite hard to look past them. Yeah. When you see them go and do what they've done on Saturday, it's hard to look past them. If Pep plays it right, then... I mean, if they came through that, they... I don't know, even say like 10, something like that. I think that's that's a, a really good run considering the fixtures because after that, it really clears up and it's hard to see them losing a game for a long time after those four fixtures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we'll either, we'll learn a lot about how the season's going to pan out and I think it's probably more, 
it's more of an issue for everybody else as, as, than it is for City. <clears throat> because, excuse me, if they take a healthy amount of points from those games, everybody else will just look at that and go, there's no chance. Yeah, it's a, it could be a massive statement. Yeah. Yeah. But again, if they drew three games, for example, then they could find themselves maybe four points behind somebody if they kind of carried on with their win. So I think it'll be definitive um, of how the season will pan out. Um, there was chat There was chat in the, in the media, um, which looks to be very, very confirmed, that um, City are now open to offers for one Calvin Phillips in January. Um, mm-hmm. Not exactly big news, but are we surprised by that? Um, I think it's more to do with the fact that how well Rodri is playing than opposed to what Calvin Phillips can offer to the team. But it's quite clear that that's a 50 million gamble that's not paid off, end up. I don't know if it was that, Jamie. I mean, when they had the personnel that they had mm-hmm. and the way they were playing, and then especially last year, I mean, they pretty much decimated everything they were part of. It's hard to fit Calvin Phillips into that team. Um, if you're the manager, why would you change it? Unless you're rotating and you're resting players, yes, then fair enough. But other than that, I wouldn't have any any have him anywhere near that team either. Um, nothing about him. I thought he was excellent for Leeds, um, and looks like a cracker. He is a good player, he's a tidy player, but he needs to play. Mm-hmm. You know, he's too young to be rotting on a bench. But if you're at a team like Man City, there's a huge chance of that happening, and he had to know that. Um, yeah. And I think Pep knows that too. So if they do let him go, I think it's probably more about the player than it is about the club. They're probably happy to have that cover because it is competent cover. Um, but I think he came out was it last week before and he said he sell that he needs to be playing. Yeah. And if they, if he isn't playing, then he's going to have to reassess it. So it's probably came off the back of that. So yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. But I mean, Man City are quite astute business wise, and they're going to be looking for close to what they spent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know who queues up to pay that money. At least in England, anyway. I, th- I think there'll be a few suitors. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not overly. Persuaded, shall we say, by Calvin Phillips. However, when you see him put on an England top, he kind of plays a lot more um, robust, shall we say. When I've seen him in a Leeds top, he's, he, he likes to get forward a lot more than what I would like him to, um, and therefore loses a bit of space. Don't think he was ever going to get that at City, was he? And I think mm-hmm. that's really why I was asking is that it's probably only City that could actually spend 50 million on a backup and afford him not to work out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you look at the, the 100 million that was spent on Declan Rice, 115 million that was spent on Declan Rice, City basically paid half of that on a potential and then never used it and, and are open to chucking it back out. Um, I think only City really have those finances to mess about with stuff like that. I think what you're saying, though, I think there was a lot of clubs that would have paid that at the same yeah. time. City were just quicker on the trigger yeah. to bring them in um, because there was a huge potential there for their lad. Yeah, if, if I'm honest, I think Liverpool will be interested whether they'll get to that, whether City will pay, well, whether City will sell to a direct rival like that. I don't know, but um, I think they would, mate. Yeah, I, I genuinely, I, do. and I think I he would. I think he would be a good player for any team. Yeah, oh, if he's if he's getting consistent games, I can only see him improving. For what I've seen, um, I think the there's a high bar for that. Word. I don't think, like you say, I don't think. Like a 50 is a huge ask. I mean, it is a huge ask, but given what we're seeing in terms of transfer fees, I don't think it's a huge price. Yeah. 
I definitely think you'll have a lot of suitors um, in the Premier League in terms of the high-profile teams. Um, I think Liverpool will be interested. I think Spurs will be interested. I don't think Chelsea will. I think they've spent enough on uh, central midfield. I don't know, man. You said Liverpool are interested, so by proxy, we have to try and steal well, yeah, this <laughs> form for it. <laughs> I think the reason why I chucked Liverpool in there is that we're still looking for a number six. You know, McAllister's definitely not a number six. Um, does the boy Gravenbach not play though? He plays more on the right um, of okay. of like a like a I half diamond, if you like. I think he can. I, he's not played there yet for Liverpool. Um, Curtis Jones has been playing there and McAllister. Um, yeah, McAllister recently because obviously Jones got his red card, but um, Gravenberch has been playing well, but more of a, shall we say, the opposite side of uh, Sobersley, um or a replacement for Sobersley. Um But yep, City hit the City at the front then, and uh, we'll it'll be definitely an interesting few weeks um, going forward for them. Um, now we'll move attention to the the, the other end of the the, the table. Um, I kind of feel sorry for Gary O'Neill all of a sudden. Um, Gary O'Neill had um, they lost um, to Sheffield United at the weekend. Great news for Sheffield United, but under massive VAR controversy again. Now, if you cast your mind back to last week, um, Wolves had a penalty given against them um, for Newcastle, which was, let's say, very contentious. Um, I think, if I remember rightly, Wilson threw himself to the floor when the Wolves player had planted his foot, didn't make an attempt at the ball, and the ref and VAR deemed that as sufficient um, contact, shall we say. Sheffield United game, uh, sorry, since then, we've heard that um, that referee was um, demoted, um, and an, well, sorry, not demoted, but an apology was issued to Gary O'Neill, and Gary O'Neill said in the media, I don't want their apologies. I'm tired of it. This is like the third, second or third time um, that we're hearing of referees being demoted to another league on the back of their games, and an apology has been received. And lo and behold, it happens again at the weekend. Sheffield United, the one each. Sheffield United are in their box in the very last nine seconds, and the same incident happens again. I think it's the striker, um, the the Portuguese boy up front, um, puts his feet on the floor, plants his feet to shield the ball. Striker goes over that and is deemed sufficient contact. Before I ask you, for me, Johnny, I think it's I think it's an absolutely horrific decision, um, and I, I think the one last week was horrific. Does Gary O'Neill have a point, or is he just crime wolf? No, he has a point. He absolutely has a point. Um, he has the right to feel royally pissed off. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, that's but certainly cost him. Uh, two points at the weekend, mm-hmm. and it was pretty much a carbon copy. It was the same thing. Yeah, same thing as you say. The the striker gets the front, plants his feet, um, does exactly what he should do to shield the ball. He does nothing wrong, and uh, the the lad. I don't remember who it was. Who was it went over? I can't remember who it was. It went over. I just remember the lad yeah. who took the penalty. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, he, anyway, he goes over, but he's clever. He he sees what he does is he actually, if you see it, when he when he, he makes his move to the ball, he actually stops and staggers his run because he sees him coming in. So at that point, at that point, he's not thinking about getting to the ball. He's not thinking about scoring. He's thinking about I'm going to try and buy this foul, and that's exactly what he does. He buys it, and the referee falls for it. But like you say, the problem here is we bring VAR in to rectify that. So referee makes a call, 
Bar says, right, we've had a look. It's maybe, you know, best you go and check it. So what we're seeing every week is we're either seeing VAR. It's almost like a fear for the officials where rather than go with what is the right call, they do not want to go against the referee. Mm-hmm. Um, most Protect of the time, their own. Yeah. Uh, so they don't want to go against them. So they don't do that and you get the wrong call. And we've seen it constantly. And it's not just in England, it's up and down the UK. I mean, I've seen it further afield as well, but obviously for the purpose of this, we're talking about the Premier League. So VAR will make that call. And in some, on other occasions, we'll see that happen. And VAR will say, go to the monitor and the referee will go. Now, even though you'll be saying, look, you still can't give that or vice versa, he'll go to the monitor. And rather than make the right call, he'll just agree with VAR to rather than go against them. You know, so the whole time it's almost like they're robbing Peter to pay Paul and it's the teams that are, are suffering. So yeah, Wills, that's twice on the trot and it's two two really bad ones. And we're seeing, it's not just one or two now, we're seeing a handful every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've put themselves in this position um, because there was that much complaining and wanting VAR. Do we want everything 100% black and white? Never any contentious decisions, never any talking points, never any debate. We just want 100, 100% correct with nothing else. Once we do that, we, we're going down, a, I think that's like a dangerous path. You're removing so much of the human interaction for the game. It's going to get to the stage where they're not going to need officials. Everything's going to have to be computerised, digitised, whatever, because mm-hmm. that's the only way they're going to get everything 100%. When the technology is what we're relying on, rather than the officials. And we're already on that path. I think it's only going to get worse with the more we see this every week because they're going to keep trying to rectify, add more tech, add more things, and yeah. it's just going to create more problems. I think I think for me, I completely agree with everything you just said. I think the one challenge that we that, that, that's not being factored in is you go cast your mind back a few weeks ago and ex-ref um, was on TV um, giving an interview talking about how he was helping his friend out by not making him go to VAR. And do you remember that it was, I think it was Dermot yeah, yeah. Gallagher. There's an element of that going on right now, even in what you've just said is that, you know, helping, <clears throat> excuse me, covering each other's backs, making sure that you don't go against each other and you help each other out. You can't help but think not to the detriment of the game though. You know, there shouldn't be, there's a difference between helping your pal out and, um, but actually, there's so much online. I think that's just it's just a hard line to follow. It really is. I think they're not players. You know, it's not the same kind of team mentality, or at least it shouldn't be. And the way that um, he was talking when he discussed that that decision that he, that he should have gave and never to protect his own his own official. He's only telling us about one. He's telling us about a one-off. Yeah. Obviously, if he's happy to do that, there he's done it more than once. Yeah, and yeah, you have to think there's more than one doing yeah. that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <clears throat> suggesting there's some kind of huge conspiracy or targeted at certain teams. I don't buy into that. I just think there is a, there is a poor mentality under the hood, and I think the pressure is on them, huge pressure, and I think they're wobbling with that, and that's why we keep seeing these happening over and over. Cool. Um, staying with VAR controversy, um, I. You know, I don't think we can go anywhere next apart from the, the, the evening game on Saturday between Newcastle and Arsenal. Um, Newcastle come out of that with a one 0 win, but again, not for its controversy, not for its controversy during the game. Um, 
before the goal, which obviously will come to Johnny, there was two big high-profile incidents in the, uh, before the goal was scored. The first one being Havertz's challenge um, on Dan Bunn, I think it was, in the first half. Um, and, you know, what was your thoughts on that? Very, 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 very dangerous um, road be going down if those... So, for those that didn't know, sorry, he got a yellow card, and the question is whether or not VAR should have intercepted and actually upgraded that to a potential red card based on what we've seen. What was your thoughts on that challenge? Given what I'm seeing week in and week out, I've actually seen two in the last two days and more at the weekend out with that game. It's a red card. It's a red card. It's, I mean, it doesn't mean I have to like it. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that's where the game is. It's a red card. He's high, he's out of control, he's bolt straight leg. It's a red card. I mean, no, let's remember you don't even have to have the ball involved now. You can be sent yeah. off for the, 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 the motion yeah, of what you're doing. Yeah. Yes, and he does that 100% does that, and he does do them. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's somebody trying to make their mark on the game. Um, and obviously it wasn't just that. He continued to be fired up and throw more and how he stayed on the part, I'll never know. But yeah, he should have been off early for me. Yeah. Anyway. It was a foot off the floor, wasn't it? Literally mm. diving in. And, and, you know, when we're talking about intense, he doesn't connect, and it's probably a good thing he doesn't connect properly, but he's a foot off the floor. He's out of control. For me, that was a red card as well. I can't we'll go back to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if the refs, he doesn't catch it or doesn't see it well enough, what's the purpose of that? If they can't yeah. come to that conclusion with every replay under the sun and see how dangerous it is and still say, yeah, it's can't. Your decision wasn't that far off. It was mm-hmm. that far off. Yeah. Um, the second instance was the, the Bruno Gomes one where he blatantly throws a forearm into the back of Jorginho's head when Jorginho was playing the ball. Um for all intents and purposes, from what I can make out, VAR looked at that instant, but didn't intervene, and it wasn't even a free kick. Um, and I'm, if I'm right in thinking, because of the law of the game, because it wasn't a free kick, VAR couldn't get involved in it because it yeah. was a potential yellow card and there was no decision made, so therefore they couldn't say the ref had made the wrong decision. But there's something about that, Johnny. That that that's a that's a that's a that's worse than the habits challenge, in my opinion. He doesn't just lean across. He literally throws a forearm, in my opinion, to the back of Jorginho's head as he's playing the ball. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, it's good old-fashioned violent conduct, isn't it? <laughs> he, that's exactly what he does. I mean, he is a player who 
plays on the edge and you know he loves a card and he can go it over the top I think would be the fair assessment but that's what he does like you say he comes in from behind him or kind of side on but he doesn't even know he's there and he, he leads with arm and he leads with arm to do exactly that it's not like he aims at his body or to check mm-hmm. him he aims his head yeah you know he has a look he knows exactly what he's doing and then again we go back to the same point the referee, it was a flashpoint. Referee could easily miss that. Um, I just say, I I, I, yeah, I don't believe the ref. I don't believe the ref would have seen that. But yeah. surely VAR have got to come back for him and go, yeah. listen, you missed that. Yeah, the, there was enough replays there. You know, the shoulders enough. Var had to have seen that. Hundred percent, they seen that. And it comes to the same thing, like you say. About you, I mean, if it's a foul or a yellow card, it's not Var's business. But that's violent conduct, so that's a potential red card. So as far as I know, they didn't even check it. It wasn't like an official check. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think they did. You know, there was nothing that flagged up saying potential red card. I didn't see that. So I've no idea how or why, but it's another one that it was two howlers and it was still early in the game. Yeah. Um, and then that obviously brings us on to the most controversial point, which was the goal. Um, My favourite part. Yeah. So there, there was three instances within the goal. So um, the first instance was whether or not the ball had gone out, gone out on the byline, um, um, over by the corner flag. However, the replay, the, the cameras the way they lined up are not adjacent to that line, so um, it was inconclusive, shall we say, whether the ball had gone across the line. Two, when the ball sent back in. Is there a foul from um, the Joe Linton, I think it was, on Gabriel? Um, a little nudge in the back. And then three, was it offside? Now, the offside is peculiar in the back of the, the goalkeeper's missed the cross. So he's ahead of the ball, which only leaves one defender between two Newcastle players on the goal line. So there's an argument that it's potentially offside. For those that don't know, the, the ball was potentially out. Um, the inconclusive, so they couldn't make a decision. They reviewed the push and did mean and and declared that it wasn't a push. Uh, and three, the way the cameras are lined up again, they were unable to confirm the point of touch from Jolinton to Gordon. So therefore, they were never allowed, they were able to pull up a still to measure whether it was offside or not. Absolute mental incident. Um, keen to get your thoughts on this one, Johnny, because it was defining the game, really, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I kind of my assessment here, and I've looked at it a lot since we've seen it. Even at the time, it's never really changed. One, the ball going out for me, the ball wasn't out. People forget the margins of what defines a ball being out. Mm-hmm. You know, that ball can be over the line by a, a millimetre of thread, and it's still in. You know, it has to be the whole circumference of the ball, which we know. And there was absolutely no way they could tell with the view that they had. So they can't give that. You know, Arteta had an absolute meltdown, as we know, and he, that was the first thing he pointed to. It was a disgrace. It, was, it wasn't a disgrace. You couldn't tell if that ball was out, Mikel. Yeah. Neither could we, neither could the officials. They can't give what they can't tell. Do you remember there was a, a similar incident last year with Liverpool and Wolves? And I think it was like a Liverpool corner, and they couldn't tell whether the ball had gone out and we scored from it. Um, yeah. And it stood because it was obviously inconclusive. Yeah. So it has to stand. I mean, they can't they can't give that. So I think that's that was an infred, incredibly hard or unfair berating. Um, even now, they're still not sure. We've had some camera angles coming from being sports who have said they, it looks like it was in. 
by a thread, whether that's bullshit or not, I don't know. But that's been the only alternative view, and whether that's legit or just wanting them wanting clout, there's no way of telling. Um, the second one would be the offside. I'm the same as you. It's the same thing. We have all these cameras, all this tech, but there's always going to be the odd incident where they miss something. It was just unfortunate that in terms of the ball, there was two in the same series of play. But, I mean, it's just a, it's like a freak chance of that happening not once but twice so they can't give again they can't give what they can't see if they can't see it they have to give the benefit of the doubt and even then it looked ridiculously tight mm-hmm. um and the push i think the only one you could possibly have an argument in that whole series of play was the push okay on his back but even then i don't think it was much gabriel made a huge meal out of that and the minute he felt hands on his back he flopped over gabriel's a unit he's a big guy um, I think you knew he was in trouble, so the easiest way was to try and buy the foul. So for me, I think they got it right. Yes, there's talking points. Yes, you can debate it all day, but I didn't think there was enough of any of that. Two, they couldn't give, and the third one, I felt like uh, Gabriel tried to buy it. He was weak, he got bullied, and they got punished. So you're, you're going with a goal. You're going with all three points um, in favour of Tune then? Yes, and I will gladly suck on Arteta's teeth. <laughs> um, want to call out actually somebody that we've given a lot of grief to, um, but for some reason this Ooh. kind of clicking this season. Um, the boy with the mullet, uh, the, 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 the 1980s haircut, the Anthony Gordon. For some reason, <laughs> it just seems to have working for him this season. Dunty, he's the one that obviously got the goal. Um, but the Newcastle fans have really taken to him, haven't they? Yeah, I think it's both ways. I think he enjoys that style of play. They do have a, a really, really strong, or what looks like a strong team bond, you know, that yeah. mentality. They celebrate every strong tackle, you know, every mm-hmm. blocked shot. They celebrate like a goal. I think it's a good thing. It's good to see it shows a huge unity. Um, and he seems to be right in the middle of that. And I think the fans, especially the kind of the Newcastle fans, they, they lap that kind of thing up. Yeah. I think that's why it's working. Um there's still a lot of housery about his play, though, isn't there? But he seems to they, they seem to have taken to him really, really well. And and for for all intents and purposes, I think he's, he is actually getting better. Um, he's looking more dependable game on game. Yeah, I, mean, I think he was another one when he was saying it was about a head scratcher, not so much a transfer, but the the fee. What was it, sixty um, million or something? Wasn't it? Yeah, it was a huge fee. But I mean, they must have. You know... There was flashes at Everton, but I mean, at the time when there was flashes at Everton, Everton were terrible. Yeah, they were so scraping the hard, bottom, weren't they? It was hard to gauge, you know, but it seems to, you know, the game's risen. But, like, this is something we spoke about. Uh, whether it's an Eddie Howe factor or just the buzz of that team, they have players that are playing way above what I would say is their level. And I say that with respect. You know, Anthony Gordon, I don't know if that's his level, but it's definitely raised his game. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're like your Sean Longstaff, your Jacob Murphy, these guys are performing and they're performing like in the top level, Champions League and playing teams in the top five in England and doing well. Dan Byrne is another one. You would never have said that about Dan Byrne when he went there, that he would become such a, a mainstay in that defence, but here we are. So there is something there, mate, and whether we put that down to Eddie Howe or then just the buzz that they have, I don't know. Um. And, you know, for those those that obviously follow the fancy football, so um, Wilson and Isak are showing his injured at the moment, which means yeah. that Anthony Gordon potentially will be 
playing on playing up front. I think um, he finished there, didn't he? Against Arsenal, they pushed him up top. Yeah. Yeah. Once, once he, when uh, I think it was Wilson had to go off, didn't he? Um, which meant <clears> he was <throat> pushed up front. So be interesting to mm. see. I think know, I'd read ba- something. If he bangs on a couple of goals, over, it's okay. If he bangs on a couple of goals over the next couple of weekends, people are going to be going, you know, starting talking a bit more positive about him. Yeah, I mean, there is. I think there's. He's definitely competent. Um, they have. They got Bournemouth this week, I believe. Uh, yeah. Then it's Chelsea. I mean, they've got. They've Man got. A, yeah, they've got a few tough games coming up. Be interesting to see how they navigate that because they're still to play PSG again and Milan. Yeah, and the, that, I would argue, but I would argue it's only going to be tough because of the injuries. See if they had a full team, I would expect them to probably beat all three of those teams. Yeah, I mean their injury list is huge. I read something. That's what I was going to say. I think it was yesterday that Wilson uh, they didn't think it was going to be as bad as feared. Right. Okay. Um, I think I think I don't know if he had trained yesterday. There was definitely chat of that. I, I've not seen any photos of that to confirm either way. But I think that one might be okay. I think he might be fine. Yeah, but he went still... up against Dortmund, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're still missing Botman. We're missing Dan Bond now. Uh, Harvey Barnes is out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Murphy, who we spoke about, is out. Obviously, Isak Canales. won't be back until after the internationals. We've got the Alpha Barn, yeah, and Isak. So they do have, like, you'd flag a lot of those as starters. So mm-hmm. they are going to be. I mean, you seen their bench last night. They had a lot of kids on their bench last night. Mm-hmm. Or the night so. Before, just to kind of wrap up the Newcastle, I've got another question, and it's more to do with the breaking news that happened yesterday. Um, so there was a lot of talk with uh, the fact that Tenali is now missing for the remainder of the season, that Newcastle were going to be doing, um, looking to do a bit of business in January. And uh, there was a lot of media chat around Ruben Neves, the, the ex-Wolves player, um, coming on loan from the Saudi League. However, yeah. it was announced last night, uh, late, late this evening, late last night, sorry, that the Premier League will be doing a vote um, in the next, I think on the 21st of this month, where clubs will be looking to vote against whether, now if I get this right, if it's same-owned clubs can't do business between each other. So preventing, so basically, because the Saudi League own Newcastle, would it be fair that they would be sending their players who are not in, who are not playing, if you like, back to Newcastle, you know, um, with minimal transfer negotiations, shall we say. Now, I might be slightly wrong with the terminology of all that, but you get the gist. The idea is just to prevent same-backed owners from doing business between each other. Um, and I think they need 14, 14 votes out of the possible 20 for it to pass. Does this seem like the right thing to do, or is this is this purely on the basis of preventing Newcastle and their owners from doing what they want. Well, I wouldn't say it's just Newcastle, because I'll guarantee you they'll be fighting tooth and nail to try and find those ties with Chelsea and the Saudi leagues as well. And it won't be the only clubs. I think for what I'd read or what we read close season, you know, when all these Saudi transfers started kicking off, mm-hmm. that they thought that the Saudi group had their claws into a lot of clubs, but it was all mm-hmm. done under underhand. Um, I think they'll easily get those 14 votes, so... You know, I mean, looking for the outside, I think they would definitely get those 14 votes. Is it an unfair advantage? Is it any different to your team spending half a billion per season against the teams in the bottom five? Is there any real difference? You know, it's still a, an advantage, a huge advantage over them. It's like your city, you know, Liverpool, Chelsea, whatever, the money they can spend yeah. against 
anywhere bottom half it's you know it's night and day it's an astronomical difference so is that much different to having a second club a parent assistant club whatever sister sorry that you can loan players or transfer players to i mean i suppose it's unfair in the terms of financial fair play mm-hmm. if you can do well, that, yeah, that, that can... that's, a, that's a way around it and uh, yeah, Newcastle's you started the season with financial fair play restrictions so you can to kind of then get huge transfers that you know are nowhere near what they should be so i suppose that's something that definitely is looked at i would definitely agree with that but i don't see a huge difference out with that to the, the, the advantage of certain clubs over, over others. Maybe they're trying to curb that, I don't know. But yeah. It's hard to see that as a as a fair it does feel like a bit of an attack because certain clubs have ties to Saudi. Yeah. It's more like a, a, a shithousery towards the way Saudi's a bit of a business, maybe flexing a wee bit too hard and they're, they're, they're feeling a wee bit butt hurt by it. I don't know, I might be wrong. No, I think you're right. I think I think it definitely feels like it's the right thing to do. However, my question would be, see if this was City, would the same course of action be happening? Yeah, yeah. Know, if it was Manchester City doing something like this, um, because obviously, you know, not what they've got around, if you like, but the still some of the 115 charges that are still unanswered at the moment. And, you know, um, that's apparently going to take years to fix or sort out. But Newcastle are being prevented from not sorting this loophole but it's, it seems awfully rushed to get through you look at you look at the the, the chelsea and the eight-year contract thing that doesn't kick until next season but all of a sudden we've now got a vote on what the saudis can do um, between them and newcastle yeah. who was our team the other day though, that was they were talking about a 12-point deduction um is that everton um is it ever? <laughs> yeah it was it's, it's yeah, everton yeah. because it, so everton's situation is they've provided they, they, they've, shall we say they've not provided the relevant documents to prove um, what what their losses or their earnings are, and I think um, if I'm if I'm right in the way it was put, what was lost over the COVID period has been totally right. misrepresented in in the Arsenal finance, sorry in the Everton finances, and I think that's what they're saying is that if they are going to get a sanction. I think Everton will be the first point deduction given for financial fair play. I don't believe there will be 12 points. I think It'd be hilarious if they pushed through Everton and yeah. hammered them. While they're and they've got 115 charges still sitting. With yeah. more charges than Fred West. How does yeah. that work? Yeah, I, I think if I'm honest, I think Everton might get a three-point deduction based right. on the financial fair play. Um, but that's just through conversations I've heard of a podcast and you know dissecting that I've been very I think I think I think bodies are pushing for the 12 points but I don't think they'll get the 12 points I think they'll probably get something slightly lower than that um but Everton have obviously been playing really well and kind of getting the points um that would be brutal wouldn't it yeah I know um okay so uh yeah so saturday night uh controversies all wrapped up um there was a few games on the sunday um you know uh, there was a really good win for nottingham forest against aston villa there was uh, an absolute dreadful draw for liverpool against luton um yeah let's talk about that so i'm gonna hand that one to you Johnny, just to prove that i'm not biased but um um yeah luton finally turned up for wins didn't they <laughs> i think you should flip it i think we should flip this you give me your assessment on the game let the listeners here come on um, a genuine a genuine opinion of how that game went i think i think 
it wasn't it wasn't the same. So we've dropped points in this season already, or we've had really bad starts in the season where we've had to chase games. You know, we've dropped, we've gone behind, and we've had to kind of tra- troll it back. This wasn't one of them. This was purely we didn't take our chances. Um, I think we had about three or four really good solid efforts in the first half that sadly were missed by uh, Darwin Nunes, um, Mikey. You know, we had some absolute pearlers that he should be part, he should be lacing. Um, Salah had a really, really quiet game. Um, and I think our midfield really just didn't get into the game the way we would have liked. Um, Klopp changed it around a little bit in the second half just to kind of add a bit more pace into the game. He brought the likes of Simakas in to kind of, um, um, you know, shall we say, get more forward. And we seem to have been doing that. But every time we did it, there was always an opportunity of Luton going on the break. Now, Luton were not blessed with tremendous strikers. But what I didn't know is it actually how rapid some of the wingers are. Um, I, I probably hadn't paid much much attention to how rapid they were. And there was a couple of times they got in behind and, the, and you know, Alisson was there to save us. But from there, you anticipate Liverpool to stop you know, I think there's a couple of times this season we've gone into the second half and then we started blowing teams away and we come up with a 3-0 win. It kind of doesn't paint the picture. There was a really big miss from Salah with a header that looked as though he was trying to cross, but actually he didn't. He was trying to shoot. He just fluffed his header. Um, the ball went across the six-yard line and Darwin Nunes missed from the best part of six yards. <laughs> How he's missed it, I've, I mean, it's proper Nicholas Jackson stuff, right? right um, I think that's also Nicholas Jackson. It's, it's, that proper, it's, it's proper Nicholas Jackson stuff. Um, however, the linesman flagged up, um, so it wasn't... However, I do believe those bosses. Well, what I would say is, see if that went to VAR. I think Salah was massively onside. I don't think the linesman should have put his flag up. So I think the goal would have stood if it went in. It was um, hard to do what he done when it was to hit. <laughs> yeah, it genuinely was. He didn't even put his laces. Put- see when you see when he bangs his goals in, he puts his laces from them, they rapids them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he tries to side. Way. Yeah, he tries to side foot this in from six yards with no keeper in front of him, and it blazes over the bar, and you just think, wow. Um, it was it was crazy, but from then it kind of. The, I I think the longer Luton stayed in the game, the more confident they got, and you could tell that by the changes that they made. Um, they they, they brought, I think the boy was at Chong, um, the ex Man United yeah, youngster. Yeah, yeah. Again, didn't appreciate how rapid he was, but he got in behind once and he was off. Um, you know, managed to put it in the back of the net. Can't blame Allison for that, but our defence was playing on the halfway line at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, two passes and then were through us and they were on to, you know, not an open goal, but two on one with the keeper. Mm-hmm. And the goal went the in. Counter, the counter yeah. was there. The day. counter was there. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like the counter, they got in with the counter attack too many times, but that's happened a couple of times this season, but we've managed to blow them away and kind of get back on top. Yeah. And it just didn't happen. This game was a game too many where they just caught up with us. If I'm honest, we didn't look like scoring at all. I thought Salah probably had his worst game this season. Darwin Nunes quite clearly couldn't hit the target. Jota was holed off quite early. Um, what was surprising was uh, Luis Diaz made himself available for the game. Um, obviously, with the issues with his father at the moment, um, nobody expected him to play. He was on the bench. We just thought it was a token gesture because obviously he wanted to feel included. Club gave him 10 minutes at the end. Um, and he was a bit of a bright spark. Somehow he gets a header from about eight yards out um, and puts it in the back of the net. 
completely didn't expect it, didn't see it coming. I thought we were on to a, a first loss of the season. And we end up pulling out a 1-1 draw. Um, and we actually remain the only team in the Premier League undefeated. So thank you very much for that, Johnny. <laughs> but uh, I think it's definitely two point. points dropped. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, listen, I completely agree. It's a stole. We stole that one. Um, I'm going to be like you, Scouts, <laughs> um, yeah. like I mean, You've also got to give credit to Luton because I thought Absolutely. they were excellent. Yeah. Um, I thought they cancelled Liverpool's midfield out. I think it was a bit of both. I think Liverpool were 100% off the boil. Yeah. Most of the stars never turned up. And like you say, they fluffed a lot of chances, but they just were not great. They huffed and puffed, but I thought Luton dealt with it really well. I really liked the guy, Old Benny. I thought he had a really good game. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought I, he caused I, you a lot of baller. The, the media, for some reason, were pure swooning over Ross Barkley. I don't think he did that much in he the game okay. at all. I, I think he got man of the match, actually. That's what um, I'm saying. Like, I really don't think he did much. I, I thought it was the his boy through could... ball for their goal. Was it the wasn't was it not the winger? Was it by Kabori or something? He like maybe he said Kabori and Kabori yeah. brought it onto Chong, cut it back he to was, Chong. He was, was rapid, so he was that by Kabori. He was FIFA goal. For him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it had to be the answer. It's always written in the stars when he came on. Um, yeah. I, I think yeah, I, I pinged you, didn't I? But when it was still nil, I think I pinged you and I says, this has got Diaz 1-0 written all over it. Um, oh, I was know. absolutely fizzling. I had Liverpool and <laughs> last one standing. I'd pulled a can of petrol I was heading to Anfield. <laughs> oh, I was raging. So, yeah, but, yeah, definitely two points dropped for me. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Two points dropped for, the, you mean for, Liver, for Luton? Because <laughs> they yes, should have won. Yeah, I'll give you that. Why not? <laughs> um, now, conscious that we've still got one more game and probably the most talking point. Um, yeah, I saw so, the page of notes. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with this one, Johnny. So the Monday night football is Spurs versus Chelsea. Um, now, going into the game, obviously Spurs were massive favourites because of the way that they've been grinding out results. They've been turning teams over. Um, I don't know about you, but I actually, in my prediction game, I actually had one each. Um, I thought Chelsea would turn up and, and kind of dog it out. But even then, I was still wrong on that. It was it went completely different. What was your thoughts on the game? It finished four-one to sit for Chelsea. Um, where'd you even start with that? Absolutely fucking mental, mm-hmm. mental. Uh, it was good fun, really good fun. Uh, I think I was chatting to you at the time when we, mm-hmm. we had the game on. It was just chaotic. The it was one of those games if you're in a in a football chat where the chat is just popping because there's so much to talk about. Yeah, that's the kind of game it was. Um, the game itself, I mean, it had everything. And I mean, for the first 15, 20 minutes, I think it's fair to say that Spurs flew out the traps. Yeah, they could have scored a couple early, early doors, and probably should have. And they battered Chelsea, I'd say, for fifteen minutes. Um, I don't remember when they actually scored. I think they scored about seven or eight minutes, didn't they? Was it? I think it was about seven or eight minutes they got a goal. And then... uh... Kulazewski scored, yeah. That was... Where are we? Yeah, six minutes. Close. Yeah. And even after that, it was all then. But then Liverpool... Sorry, Liverpool. Too much time talking about them. Chelsea started coming back into it. And then I think we had two offside goals. Yeah, uh, Sterling and Casiedo got the other one. Yep. Uh, and at that point, I'm thinking, you know, it's not going to be the day. So at that point, it was high octane. There was a lot. And then for that, I think we got to the half hour mark, and that's where the, it just got ridiculous. What do you think the turning point was? 
what do you think would turn it into ridiculous? Because I've got I've got my thoughts on this, but I'm keen to get what your uh, thoughts. Well, the, the thing that surprised me about it when we watched it is even when Spurs were up one 0 and they were in control, they did not. They looked rattled. Mm-hmm. They looked agitated. You know, there was t- I don't know, maybe just too fired up. Yeah. Some of the tackles were far, flying in. We had a uh, Romero prior to losing the head. He actually kicked out. Mm-hmm. That's another one that surprised me because they didn't even so, look at before, before that, you had a doji, didn't you? Your doji got he he two footed on a challenge. Then, yeah, he died. He much, dived in. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing that saved him is he was that low. Yeah. When he done it, you know, it was, was, was it like quite a habits, but could have easily been. Yeah. You wouldn't have argued if it had been given as a red card. It was like a draft excluder kind of challenge. Um, and let's say Romero kicks out off the ball. It was clear as day. Vast Doesn't get nothing for that, it. That really, really surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. I know what I mean. I'm not saying he, he you know, he didn't karate kick him or anything, but he, he, he booted him. Yeah, he was on the floor once and he kicked the back of his thigh. He's picking yeah, the back again, of his, 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 his leg, sorry. <clears throat> we're back to violent conduct. So he could have, in another game, easily have went for that. Mm-hmm. And again, it's madness because they were in complete control. Why do it? Mm-hmm. And I thought there was a few of them that looked like that up until the, the, the first red card. It did look that way. Because, yeah, I mean, as I say, once they went up 1-0 and they controlled it for a bit, then it looked like it was Chelsea that were going to score. Yeah. Um, Chelsea looked a lot better and came into the game and they started controlling it. And that's when I think Spurs started to get really, really frustrated. It was maybe a 15-minute period and then we get to the first red card. And with the first red card, um, which was... Um... Was it um, Romero, wasn't it? Yes. Um, which ultimately gave the penalty, wasn't it? Um, I think they ruled out an offside goal, um, which was Casado's, I think. I think they ruled out Casado's goal and came back for a challenge in the box, which Romero did, which completely went missed by the referee, but was ultimately, um, you know, a leg stamp, a foot stamp, if you like, um, once the ball was played. In terms of the red card, do you think that's right? When he catches him, it's not his foot. He's a fair bit of his shin. Mm-hmm. And he goes through the ball. And the, ball, the player's leg is planted. What's uh, different uh, between that one and the Doji's one that went unpunished? Um, his leg's planted for a start. Mm-hmm. I, I can see why... Yeah, I think I can see why the first one was only a yellow... Uh, like you say, I think there's an argument you could argue either way. You could say, you know, maybe an orange. But Romero's, I thought, was just a nailed on red. It was like, like you say, it was a bit of a, a chaotic moment to play. So I can understand why the ref couldn't keep his eyes on everything because there was that much happening. Yeah. And and then, obviously, Chelsea get the equaliser from the penalty spot. The lad Palmer, um, you know, pings, pings the post and gets it in. <clears throat> and then um, we we obviously then move on to um, the next incident. Excuse me. In the next incident, uh, obviously from the goals point of view, um, I think they go into they go in half time, don't they? One each, um, and then they come out for the second half. And the lad Adoji, or shall, shall we say Chelsea, are on the on the ascendance, but the lad Adoji there. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. The ladder doji then makes a rash challenge and pulls the depend pulls the player to the floor, um, and gets himself a second yellow card, which ultimately you know gets him his red card. But I would argue that's not where the madness is either. The madness probably comes in what happens after, and what we see after is essentially Spurs 
playing with nine men, but everybody on the halfway line and trying to play the offside trap against Chelsea, who had probably the best part of seven attackers stand on the halfway line. And it was it was always about who's going to spring the offside quicker. Um, and there was a couple of times where they get, did get in behind, it was ruled offside, um, but then they made the breakthrough. Um, and I think it was Sterling gets through. He lays it to the side, and obviously Jackson puts it in. And then, then you've got this madness of the of of the same tactic as them played out for the next 20, 25 minutes, and it ultimately results in a four-one victory for Chelsea. From the red cards and the goals aside, do you think there's a bit of madness about the tactic employed by Ange? And the reason why I'm asking this is that. There was a big media hype on the Tuesday morning, whether it was across the news, whether it was in, on Sky Sports, about how well Angie's tactics were. Like it was good that he didn't he didn't break from form and he was true to himself. I think that's absolute madness. I, 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 you know, playing an offside trap with nine men all planted on the halfway line with such a high line just really exposes your back line and exposes your goalkeeper. You go back to when Liverpool played Tottenham and we went down to nine men. Liverpool didn't do that. Now, Liverpool still lost the game. They still had the same outcome as what Tottenham did. But who got the better plaudits? And I, I, that's what I mean. Like, I, I just think it's it's a dangerous game when we're starting to applaud Angie's tactics when it probably looks very naive. This is the Premier League. This is, you know... I, I, I don't know. It just feels weird how the Tottenham fans were accepting of that tactic of a, such a high line and it results in a 4-1 victory for your enemy. I agree. I agree, mate. Um, for the 10, once we, they went down to 10, they, they never changed anything. They, they still done the same thing. Um, still trying to win the game. And they had, a, like I say, they had a good few chances even at that point. And there were a few chances when it was nine men, to be fair to them. Mm-hmm. Although Chelsea always... There was, there was one ruled lighter. out, wasn't there? There was one ruled out. Yeah, I well, I'd say to, to yourself, I think you had said the same, that once, especially when they went to nine men, the, the game was screaming for somebody like Mudrick to come off mm-hmm. because the space was there. It was glaring. You could see it. The space was there all day, just a ball either down the wing or over the top, and they, weren't, they were going to get caught. So, yeah, I think having those ethics and staying true to them yeah, it's a good thing. It's it's fun to watch as a neutral because um, they're always going to have a crack. So the game's, you know, it's not going to be a red card and the game dies, which happens a lot. I don't think you're going to get that under under Ange. But what you do get, like you said, I think naivety is probably the best word for it. He was at Celtic. He could probably get away with that more. You know, he was at uh, the team that are... Sorry, Rangers podcast. One of the teams that were dominating in Scotland. So he could, there was a higher chance they would get something. You know, if they'd done that, he could yeah. wing it. You're not going to get away with that in the Premier League. You're going to get punished. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, I mean, every goal for that point that Chelsea scored was all breaks away. Yeah, it yeah. was all FIFA goals. Just, but down the width, cut back, tapping. That's exactly what every goal was. So, yeah, I think that was naive. Um, and I think it probably, helped towards the second red as well because mm-hmm. there was more chance of them getting caught there was more chance of a late challenge or you know a desperate challenge and that's what we got for you doggy don't get me wrong it was absolutely beyond stupid mm-hmm. to make that second challenge when he was on a yellow he was always um, going to do it though wasn't he 
Yeah, it was madness. But then again, that comes back to Ange. He should see that. Mm-hmm. You know, you say, look, this guy, there's potential here. He's he's going to end up walking. Who come? Change it. So he never made that many changes. So I would say it's very, very surprising. He says he's not going to change the way he is, but I think there was always a bar for that happening because, like we say, it's a, it's a different kind of league. It's a, a different challenge. And you're at a team that's kind of in a, a development phase with what they've been through, with lack of success, and he wants to bring that success. So it started off really well. We can't fault that. It started off phenomenally well. But now we see, you know, that the, I think the, the problem for me, if they go on any kind of dodgy run or a bad run, I think the pressure is going to come on them fast. Mm-hmm. I really do. Purely because of where he's came from. We already yeah. heard that before he went, and then he changed a lot of opinions. But listen, it's still too early. I'm probably being way dramatic because it is early doors. I think yeah. another thing you could take away, I don't know where we are with it, but it looked like we had some dodgy injuries. Um, I was about to say the boy Van Veen. Yeah, well, they had him. Madison went off as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, they do not have a, a deep squad. Which all, which Olsen's now confirmed he's going to be up for a while. He's broke his, his pubic bone or something like that. I think. Yeah, he's still doing it. Sounds grim. Um, I don't know if the Madison one was long or short term. I haven't looked enough mm-hmm. into it. But I mean, those are these are injuries. That um, has potential to cause disruption because I don't think yeah. they have a lot of cover, Jamie. I think they lack it. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, just, just to kind of wrap it up, then. So the, the, it was probably a little narrative that came out of the game that just doesn't sit well with me either. It was, it was very much from the commentators in the sky, the Monday Night Football guys, and I'll, I'll include Jamie Carrigan and Gary Neville in that. Um, you know, they always seem very insightful and very, you know, good with their opinions. However, I kind of come away from Monday really annoyed, um, and it was. They were championing this game. They were championing this game saying this was exactly what the Premier League was built for. It was exciting. It was... I don't think that was a good game of football. I thought that was absolute utter madness. It was entertainment, Yeah, I get get that. But, you know, don't call it game of the season. Like, fucking hell. In terms of footballing, (laughs) I would agree. It wasn't a a fantastic footballing spectacle. Just, you know what? It was was almost like a South South American game. Mm -hmm. Um... The you know, a Copa America game kind of to feel to, you know, you could feel the tension, it was fired up. And I yeah. think Spurs were far worse in that mentality. And I think that's what cost them in the end. I think Chelsea yeah. were a bit cooler, hear, a bit calmer. You could hear that in the commentary as well. If you catch yourself back to the top, to the, the Newcastle Arsenal game and Tottenham Chelsea game, because the commentators can hear what VAR are talking about. You could hear them get excited about these potential VAR issues and these mm. things about coming back. I'm actually starting to find that really nauseating because actually it's ruining what I'm listening to or hearing. I find myself zoning out and putting music on while I'm trying to listen to a game now because I think they're getting more excited than the players. I think it was hard not to with that game, even as a supposed to be a professional mm-hmm. pundit or whatever, there was so much happening and there was so many talking points. It was just, like you say, the game was just absolutely bonkers. The first half was, oh, it was crazy. All, so all, I, can, all I remember from the commentary is Gary Neville going, oh, no. Oh, no. Like, fucking shut up. It's just, I don't know. It, it just, gives you the fear of God when he does that. 
<laughs> what 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 can he hear that I can't? Yeah, what's happening? Oh no, the fighting, the fighting in the VAR room. Oh no! At the end of the day, with that game, delighted to to see Chelsea turn them over four one. Yeah, um, we should actually talk about Chelsea actually getting. I'm not impartial. Jackson I'm, getting I'm, that we have stuff. Everywhere, but not that one. Yeah, I mean, you absolutely crucified Jackson on this show last week, and I'll give you rightly so, rightly so. He has been poor. Um, I think the scary part is, is he should have had two hard tricks. As I was saying, that, that if you want to be if you want to be hypercritical, he should have had about six goals because yeah. I mean the, the amount the amount of off time runs he's run. Mm-hmm. His goals were tap-ins. But what I will say, and I'll give credit for, is you have to be in that place. Yes. You have to make that run. You have to keep up with the winger or whoever's making. You have to be there. And he done that. And he done that well. But yeah, he spurned a lot of chances as well. He is very very raw, uh, and I think he's a for the impression I get, it's a confidence player. You're hoping that's what give him the, the the kick on. I've said it before as well. He looked much much better in pre-season. I've said this a few times, but then again, like he had the Nkuku, I think he probably made him look a bit better than he was because Nkuku was you know setting him up with everything. Yeah, well, the good yeah. the, the talk was to yesterday is that apparently Nkuku's now training, um, and is scheduled to be back with the first team after the international break. That'll yeah. be a massive welcome news for them. Yeah, uh, that would be, be like a new signing, maybe. Well, it's, it really is a new signing, isn't it? Because he's never really played a competitive game. Um, I think they need that. I think they need that, mate. They still lack that bit of creativity, especially in the final third. You know, it was like the bit, I know you spoke about it last week, but the Brentford game, they dominated that game. Yeah. But Brentford were just clinical, absolutely clinical. Chelsea went, and I think it showed clearly a. a Obvious that the that there's definitely a spark missing, but yeah, I think f- to wrap that game up, I felt like Spurs short the selling the foot massively. Good. It was a bit time they got knocked off the bottom, in my opinion. So uh, we'll finish. Well, I with... think that that that'll give us a better gauge of where they yes. are and how Ange deals with. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've obviously got this weekend's games to look forward to. Um, I think Man United at home to Luton is going to be interesting for all the wrong reasons. Um, you've got Chelsea at home to Man City on the Sunday. Liverpool at home against Brentford on the Sunday. Again, see how that one pans out. Um, and, you know, Arsenal at home to Burnley, another one to stand out. You'd, Arsenal got a few potential injuries. I think Saka limped off again last night. So there's a bit of challenge about whether or not he's going to play the game. Odegaard doesn't seem to be fit at the moment. So I think they're going to come with their own issues as well. Um, but I'll look forward to speaking to you all about it all again next week, Johnny. Um, I thank you very much for coming on the podcast this week and helping me out. Absolute pleasure, mate. Man. Um, and for the listeners, um, uh, appreciate obviously you have to listen to our dulcet tunes all the time. But if you have any comments, uh, leave us a comment and uh, we'll try and get back to you. But for what it's worth, great week, good weekend. Look forward to this weekend. Thanks very much, guys. Have a good day.